let me go ahead and just add that to my queue while we're talking about it. Whoa, oops, sorry. That's totally me. I still had palms. I was rewatching the end of Palm Springs. Ah. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming rom-coms. Um, usually that statement is qualified by teen, but I think today uh, we can safely say that we are opening our potential watch list up to all romantic comedies that are available on streaming services. That is how much I enjoyed this movie. Uh, <laughs> I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, young adult librarian and teen lit uh, I never know what the qualifier for that should be. I had it once, but it always seems like whenever we're actually recording, I forget the word that I am. I feel like you usually say expert, which is expert, very true. connoisseur, purveyor of teen lit. <laughs> I like to read YA. Uh, and I am joined, as always, by my other co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, uh, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And today we are going to be talking about the brand new uh, Hulu rom-com Palm Springs. But before we get into that, uh, just a quick little check-in. How are you doing today, Marin? I'm doing okay. I, um, you know, it is hot out, but my apartment is nice and cool. Um, and so I was able to, like, sleep very well, which... Is, is sometimes a gamble um, in the summer heat, um, but I, I did, so I am, I am feeling very refreshed. Um, how are you, Martha? I am glad that it's the weekend. Um, I, my, the library that I work at just opened its doors to the public on an appointment basis this last week, so that has been a challenge. Uh, it has been wonderful to share our new building with our community um but also we don't live in an optimal time for me to suddenly be surrounded by 75 people who rotate on the hour uh for 10 hours a week so i'm a little stressed about that but we're getting through it um the best that we can i think i, th I think that is that is truly all of our motto for this time yep we are all doing our best um i have been uh, decompressing by playing um, a lot of video games. Uh, this week I've been playing a game uh, called Call of Cthulhu that is based on, I believe, a board game of the same name where you play a an investigator in the 1920s um, and it's Cthulhu Mythos involved. So it's a action horror uh, or a mystery horror investigation game. So just, you know stressful and anxious and but you scary. maybe get to Everything kill monsters I... we'll see i'm hoping i'm still in kind of the investigative phase okay. so like for my character things are just starting to get weird even though i know that eventually things are going to get real weird okay i feel like killing video game horrific monsters would be very cathartic right about yep. now 
That is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. We are here today to talk about the Hulu original Palm Springs. And I am just going to state right at the top of the episode, spoiler alert. If you have not seen Palm Springs yet, stop this episode, go and watch it. It's a tight 90 minutes. And I think it is the kind of movie that you will enjoy the less you know about it going in. Yeah, so, don't spoil yourself, just click play. And this episode is going to be full of spoilers. So here, we are not usually great about putting that spoiler alert at the top of the episode, um, but I feel strongly enough about it for this one that I, I am straight off. Spoiler alert, go watch it, come back when you've seen it. Okay. Palm Springs 2020 stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Malati, J.K. Simmons, um, Peter Gallagher, Meredith Hagner, Camilla Mendez, Tyler Hoechlin, and then a lot of other people. Uh, directed by Max Barbacow, written by Andy Sierra. Uh, this is a Groundhog Day style comedy about Niles, who is attending a wedding with his girlfriend. Um, and... Uh, gets involved on the day of the wedding with Bridesmaid Sarah, played by Kristen Malati. Uh, and at the kind of end of their tryst on the night of the wedding, um, Niles and Sarah are uh, pulled into a mysterious cave that is full of red light, uh, and they both wake up the next morning on the day of the wedding again. Uh, we find out that Niles has been repeating this same day for an indeterminate amount of time. Um, we're never quite sure how long. It's It's been so long that he's forgotten how long he's been repeating I believe this day. I read an interview with the screenplay writer, and the screenplay writer said originally they had in the script that he's been in there 40 years. Um, that's, that's so long. Yeah. But then they took it out because they liked the he's been in there an indeterminate amount of time but like just to give you all a sense of like he has been in there for decades um but yeah so he has basically resigned himself to his fate of being in this purgatory where it is eternally um the day of this wedding um sarah is new to this new lifestyle um and the two of them engage in several montages where they alternately go to the wedding or not go to the wedding, engage in other stuff. And then finally, Sarah decides, you know what? I have had enough. I'm getting out of this. Um, and she starts disappearing every morning uh, to go figure out what is going on with this wormhole so that she can get them out uh, of their repeating day. Um, I loved this movie. It's so good. <laughs> I really did. Um, I thought it was very smart. Um, and I thought it was smart in a way that it, like, it didn't have to be. Like, this movie could have been really stupid and I still would have enjoyed it. But I think that the characters are written very well. Um, Andy Samberg and Kristen Malati are um, lovely together. J.K. Simmons plays an uncle who has also gotten roped into this time-repeating cycle uh and you find out that he he has been occasionally hunting niles to the death uh because he blames him for um being stuck in the time warp um 
Camila Mendez plays Sarah's sister, and I thought she was lovely. Um, yeah, I just overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I think it. They do a really good job with making it focused in character beats rather than like woo weird, you know, time loop beats. Um, and I think a lot of the humor is grounded in, you know, by this, you know, the contrast between like by this point, Niles is kind of a nihilist. Um, because he has just been like, nothing matters. Everything I do just gets wiped out when I go to bed. Like, I wake up again in the same day every day, and there are basically no consequences of my actions, and therefore I pretty much stopped caring about everything. <laughs> um, whether as Sarah is new to this, um, and so still, you know, remembers how, um, you know, how to have progress and move forward. And she is in a really bad place in her life. She's, you know, gone through a divorce. She, one thing that comes out near the end of the movie is she and her future brother-in-law had a, we are led to believe, much regretted um, drunken one-night stand the night before. Um, so she basically wakes up every morning in this time loop haunted by that, or not even haunted, but, like, confronting that mistake every single morning. Um, and so she really, like, her motivation is not just, it's very specific. It's not even just generally she wants to get back to her life. It's, you know, she is seeing the consequence of this mistake every day and, has been in this time loop recently enough that she remembers, like, getting to move on and getting to, you know, have progress in your life. And so, um, so she's particularly motivated to get out of this time loop for those, like, very specific, detailed, rich reasons. Um, I, and... I thought it was... Oh, sorry. And we can get into that. I, I don't know exactly how I feel about this movie. It's not that it hand waves the infidelity, but it definitely does not probably delve into that as much as it should. It, it, it doesn't exactly let Sarah off the hook entirely, but um, it feels it does feel a little thrown in there. <laughs> I don't think it lets Sarah off the hook at all. I think it lets the the guy off the hook a lot. Yeah. Um, because Sarah has to deal with it. I mean, that's that's the impetus for her deciding. No, I'm gonna figure out what's going on, so that I can stop reliving this um this mistake every day. Um, which I actually I just side note I loved that she basically, like, gets an online degree in physics yeah. in order to figure out what is going on with this time loop. Um, and she figures it out, which I thought was great. I enjoyed that there was, like, a scientific explanation rather than it being like, oh, we just have to atone for our mistakes. Like, no, this is, like, this is science fiction. This is not... Um, this is not Groundhog Day yeah. where you have to. 
I really, I really, I thought that the decision to um, drop us into the middle of Niles's experience was really smart. Because um, the, the first time that we see him, we don't know yet, but it is, um, he has already been doing this for like 40 years. So we don't get to see the beginning of his experience. Um, and then as you come to understand just how long he's been doing that, a lot of his blasé um, attitude starts to make more sense. One of the little details that I really loved about his his character um, is that the, the first time that we meet him, he wears a Hawaiian shirt and shorts to the wedding. And then as we see flashbacks to earlier iterations, we see that he originally like was wearing a tux to this wedding and has just started like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> so now he wears like the bare minimum. He cracks open a beer during the ceremony. Like <laughs> all of these little things in the opening scene where you kind of think he's being a jerk and actually, no, he's just been trapped in purgatory for this long that he just doesn't care anymore. Would you come to realize, like, yeah, I would too. Like, I would stop uh-huh. wearing a tux to this wedding on a hot day if I had to relive this wedding every day, you know? And I feel like at a certain point you come to understand how little all of those, like, little trappings of a wedding, how little they actually matter. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the infidelity for a moment, um, I I don't think it lets... Sarah off the hook, because um, like I said, it, it becomes a very driving force for her to, because she can't, she can't stop dealing with that until she's not living in it anymore. Yeah, I guess uh, that's fair. I just, I'm more like, <clears throat> and I, I get the, I mean, I think the movie kind of lands on like, Sarah not disclosing this to her sister is going to cause the least harm. So that's what they're going to do. Like, it's clear that both she and the... Yeah, although I think you're right, too. Like, they probably... She needed to, like, punch the brother-in-law or something. Um, Yeah, I kind of feel like... Infidelity is always... It's never simple. It always feels like it should be simple. I feel very much like the onus on that conversation should be on the now husband to have with her. Like, I don't think that Sarah should have to take the brunt of it. Um, Obviously, that was a decision that she made as well. And I don't want to, like, make light of that. But it's not something that she is solely responsible for sure yeah and i think we're honestly we're just you know she's one of the main characters so i think that's why we're kind of living through her perspective um but yeah yeah it's kind of interesting just like that um yeah it kind of lands out because in one of the iterations she clearly tells her sister we don't know what she has told her sister, but she, like, goes up during the ceremony and whispers, presumably, that to, like, stop the ceremony. Um, and in the final timeline, 
she chooses not to tell her. Um, and <coughs> yeah, and I, I think that, um, yeah, presumably down the line, they're probably going to have to deal with that. But yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess really like all I wanted was for her to like punch the dude or them having a conversation of like, you know, some type of like, we both regret this. This is never going to happen again, right? Um, something like that. Well, and I think we get that a little bit um, in one iteration where right. she's, it, it's the last one. I think. Oh, it is? I thought that wasn't the last one. Maybe that's why I'm confused. Okay. Yeah, when she, because she wakes up while he's in the shower, and I think it's the last iteration when she goes into the shower and she's like, that was dumb, it's never going to happen again, and he breaks down crying and is like, oh my god, I've ruined my life. Oh, yeah, I guess I was misremembering. I thought that wasn't the last iteration. So, okay, then it makes more sense. I Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was. Okay. Because um, I think that's the only satisfying way that you can have that moment. Yeah. Is if that's the moment that sticks. Oh, yeah, because then during her speech, she looks at him and is just like, don't F this up. And they have a little moment yeah. of like, and it's still a bit like, mm, well, dude, you cheated and that sucks. Um, but also it does kind of make me hopeful that like maybe at some point, even if it's not a plot beat in this movie, we can talk right. through this like adults. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I also I also very much got the feeling that if Sarah had said anything about it to Tala, her sister on that day, like. Sarah kind of gets treated like garbage by her family right. for most of this movie. And, like, I don't think there was any way she could have that conversation without her sister immediately going, it's all your fault. Right. Um, which, yeah, it was really bizarre to see um, Sandy Cohen from the OC being so <laughs> shitty. I was like, Although, Sandy totally, Cohen, why are you being terrible? <laughs> I totally buy him as Camilla Mendez's dad. Oh, yeah. That absolutely they, works. They all... Um, Camilla Mendez, Peter Gallagher, and Kristen Malati all have eyebrows that could clearly be related. <laughs> um, yeah, I, re I really appreciated the casting in this movie. I thought they did a really good, like, even those, like, bit characters are really well, like, cast. Um, which, speaking of the bit characters, one other thing I really like about this movie is the rich texture of clearly Niles has explored like everything in the surrounding 10 miles um because he you know goes to the local bar and knows who everyone is and knows their story um and he like knows the neighboring farmer and has you know practiced shooting in his yard and like mm -hmm. knows his goat I liked that the goat was a recurring bit <laughs> um so, yeah, I, I really liked this texture of clearly this guy has tried to keep himself occupied and done, you know, has lived essentially a lifetime in these, like, ten miles and, you know. It made everything feel very lived in. Yeah. Which is appropriate. Um, I also kind of love that Niles' response to this whole thing was 
get to like just kind of sink into the surrounding area and Sarah's was nope we are getting out of this and I'm gonna learn physics to figure it out (laughs) yeah yeah and I think that's part of what makes kind of the montage where they go on adventures together really work because we get to see like almost the not opposing dynamic of Niles being like oh there's someone else in here with me like this is a whole new thing to explore and Sarah being like, well, I guess I'm going to hang out with Niles to stave off my feeling of impending doom that I'm trapped in here. And you get to see, you know, like that chemistry and like montaginess like feels very natural and feels very like, oh, like, of course they would do that. You know, like Niles feels reinvigorated because he has someone else in here with him who doesn't want to kill him, unlike J.K. Simmons. Unlike um, J.K. Simmons, who I did think was great. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Let's talk about J.K. Simmons in this movie. That was so Please good. Do, because this was actually my biggest problem that I had. Oh, really? My biggest problem. So the solution that Sarah figures out is that they have to go into the cave, which is the nexus point of all of this, and blow themselves up at the point of return so like as soon as the tel- like as soon as the wormhole gets activated they have to explode themselves and hopefully it will spit them out into the real timeline they don't take jk simmons well she leaves him a voicemail telling him how to do it Oh, like I there's missed. a mid credit scene where we see him starting to go. Yeah. So at the end of oh, the last I... wedding, we hear her oh, leaving a voicemail. Okay. That's for J.K. Simmons to tell him how to get out. I cannot possibly tell you how much better that makes me feel. Yeah, because I it's... missed I missed that detail. And then I did not leave the credits running. So I didn't see I'm going to go back and watch the end of this movie. again. Yeah, because then there's a mid credit scene where um, J.K. Simmons um is still at the wedding and he goes up to Niles being like, hey, head or whatever he calls Niles. And Niles is like, uh, hi, I'm Niles. Like, nice to meet you. And he realizes that Niles doesn't know him anymore. And he realizes that the message Sarah worked for him, like their plan worked. Um, And so we see him like walking off, like presumably ready to go to the cave and Okay, that's actually, that's interesting because I thought Sarah said that when she tried it with the goat, the goat disappeared from that universe. So it's weird that Niles would still be there. Well, presumably he has left Niles and Sarah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they should have just disappeared altogether. So I guess the better move would have been J.K. Simmons being at the wedding and being like, huh, where are Niles and Sarah? Um... And, like, the grandma being like, they're gone. Um, was, the, was the implication that the grandma has also been trapped? Oh, uh, yeah, which I okay. love. Because I love that, too, that, like, you know, clearly, like, J.K. Simmons and not, you know, I, I love all the different reactions. Because clearly the grandma is very happy about being trapped in this day, which makes sense. Because she's lived a full life. This day is a celebration. She gets to, like, relive a beautiful moment again and again. Um, so I really like that little detail. I think it adds a a whole nother layer of texture that, yeah, like, we get to see all these opposing, like, J.K. Simmons' character at first was really angry, but has, like, since kind of accepted that 
he gets to have a lovely day with his family. Well, and that was why I thought that the movie left him there. Cause I was like, Oh, cause he has a great scene with Niles where he's talking about like, this is a good day. Like there are worse things that could be, that could have happened than for me to be trapped permanently in this good day. So part of me was like, Oh, did the movie just leave him in his perfect day? I guess that's okay. Um, I like that they, I like that he gets to get out better though. Yeah. Because you could even see in that scene where he's accepted it, but he also, he has like a line about like, I'm never going to get to see my kids grow up. I'm never going to get to walk my daughter down the aisle at her wedding. Like that is, I'm never going to get to see them graduate. Like, so I glad that like the movie gives him that moment of both like, yeah, things could be worse. Like I could be way less lucky. I've kind of accepted this. But then also at the end, you know, after he's accepted this and like learned to appreciate what he has, he gets to get out and he gets to live a life yeah that legitimately makes me okay. feel a lot better <laughs> good because yeah because pete and i both like we kept watching the credits because we wondered we were and in credit to pete because i think he picked up on this way quicker than i did but he was like i bet that message because i think as the credits started rolling i was also like but what about jk simmons and i think pete was like she like was leaving a message for him i think i think we're you know we're meant to think she's gonna tell him and then we kept watching the credits because we're nerds and always watch the credits. And um, and then it, that scene came up and we were both like, oh, okay, good. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. But I also, I really love the detail about the grandma. Because I, I just feel like that adds a whole other layer. Because then you get to see, like, yeah, here's this woman for whom this is a great thing. Like, she's already lived her life. She gets to relive this wonderful day again and again. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? You know? Like... So I feel like, yeah, that just adds like a whole nother, a whole nother layer. So rom-coms basically live or die on the chemistry between the leads. Um, how did we feel about Andy Samberg and Kristen Malati's chemistry? Oh, they f- <laughs> Marin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he can believe that out. <laughs> this is what, Okay. Sorry, Pete can bleep this all, or Pete can take this all out. But it reminded me yeah, of... He's just, he's just going to bleep out that line. We are leaving it in. <laughs> okay. Um, we have to bleep it because I don't want to... No, that's fair. I don't fair. want this podcast to become explicit. No, totally fair. <laughs> but this just reminds me of when that new version of Emma came out. What am I haven't seen yet. Oh my god, you should see it. It's so good. I know, but I didn't want to pay $20 to rent it. That's fair. I did, but it was also in pandemic, and I was like, this is worth $20. No, I'm not not blaming anybody who did. I just didn't. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's very good, and if rental prices are normal, totally worth your $4 to $5. Wonderful. Uh, uh, But after watching the trailer, my friend and I just kept texting back and forth about how much the leads of that movie clearly wanted to bone. And it was like, <laughs> you've made an Emma that, like, Emma and Mr. Knightley want to bone. Um, so we had, like, yeah, a whole text thread about Emma and Mr. Knightley wanting to bone, which was great. And how I feel about this movie. They want to bone. It's Normal. great. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought their chemistry was great. Um. There is, like, the the kind of main conflict between them is 
she so Sarah asks Niles like have we hooked up before there's one really funny scene where she's like so who have you slept with like <laughs> in all of these oh that was and hilarious answer, I mean the answer is basically everybody which I mean 40 years more power to him occupied somehow <laughs> um but he tells her that they have not hooked up which turns out to be not true and then she gets very upset about that um and I Niles himself seems kind of confused about why he would have said that. Yeah. Which I get. Like, I, I am also a little bit like, well, I feel like if you'd just been honest about it, this wouldn't have, but also in the heat of the moment when you're like, I don't want this woman to be mad at me. Um, I, yeah, I think that was a very clear, like, he in the moment wanted to avoid that difficult conversation and just kind of keep things easy and it Mm -hmm. came back to bite him yeah so as you know the further into the movie we get and they actually start to develop actual feelings for each other um it becomes more of a like oh maybe i should have said something um and then the the second half of the movie there the conflict is that sarah wants to get out of this time loop and when faced with the reality that he could escape Niles is like oh do I though (laughs) like the idea of um leaving almost becomes scarier to him than staying yeah again if we think about how long he was trapped in there I did not blame him for being afraid of leaving Right, like I and I think the movie set it up really well without, you know, giving an explicit. This is how long he's been in here, but like he's been in there so long, he can't remember what his job was. Like I thought that was a really great moment to show, like, oh, he's been in here for decades. Like he's yep. been in here so long. Because- My brain kind of wrote in that as soon as they break the time loop, all of his memories come back. I was home yeah my brain was like oh okay he starts talking about his dog and it's like oh okay so he's just his brain has fixed itself although I could see how like I don't know I was thinking about that too because part of me could see like maybe he's very specifically not talked about his dog because it brings him a lot of distress to you know remember that he's not going to get to see his dog um, well, there's like, yeah, that makes sense that like, if you've stopped going to work for 40 years, you would kind of forget what you have been doing. But, uh, yeah, I, you got to assume that like something came back, you know, some things came back to him. Um, but yeah, going back to the conversation, I am totally with you. I feel like rom-coms where the leads don't have chemistry, like can work for other things, but they don't necessarily work as a rom-com. Actually, funnily enough, we, I was talking about this, uh, so last night, Pete and I watched You've Got Mail, which he had never seen before. Um, we've been watching Nora Ephron movies, so we watched When Harry Met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle, and we got into kind of a long debate about um, and actually, I think Pete was agreeing with me, but we were also watching it with um, his brother, Mark, and um, our sister-in-law, Emily, and they kind of came down on the other side of this debate. But, like, 
one reason I think You've Got Mail is such a better movie than Sleepless in Seattle. I think of all the Nora Ephron rom-coms, Sleepless in Seattle is the weakest. And I think that's in part because we, I don't think it's really a rom-com. I think it's about these two characters and there's like some romantic elements, but like we barely ever see them meet or interact. And so it's not really about their relationship. It's about them going through other stuff and it ends up culminating in them meeting. Um, But I think part of what makes When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail such good rom-coms is that the chemistry um, is so good that you can even, and I would argue this is more in the case of You've Got Mail than When Harry Met Sally, because I think When Harry Met Sally is just like a perfect movie. Um, But part of the reason I maybe... Um, you know, I enjoy You've Got Mail so much and can kind of shrug off some of its more, like, like, squeeze, you know, kind of like, um, elements is that, like, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's chemistry is just off the charts. Um, and so I think, not that you can, like, well, yeah, maybe I'll say you can hand wave away some of the other things. Um, well, there is, I mean, in another movie to contrast it with, like, Four Weddings and a Funeral, those leads have no chemistry. It does not work as a rom-com. It's a great comedy, because, like, the friends are really fun and Hugh Grant's very charming, but, like, Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant have zero chemistry. Which is sad, because Andy McDowell is the best. Right? Um, didn't, ha- didn't Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan make, like, a lot of movies together? They made three. Um, so they made Joe versus the Volcano, which I have never seen. Um, and then Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. And part of what makes me sad about Sleepless in Seattle is seeing the chemistry they have in You Got Mail and then being like, you had them in a whole other movie together and they interacted twice. Like, you missed getting to, like, have this lightning strike twice. Like, what? Yeah, I haven't seen any of these movies. Wait. Um what? <laughs> wait, wait, um, wait, what? Stop what you're doing right now and go watch all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Paradigm shift, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would argue you should start with Sleepless in Seattle and then build your way up to You've Got Mail and When Harry Met Sally. Um, I I have seen, well, I've seen Michael. I was looking at Nora Ephron movies. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is so weird. I loved Michael. That's such a weird um, movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I just it's a period of movies that I just kind of missed. Um, well, I am very excited for you that you have all of these movies that you are going to get to experience these movies for the first time. Yeah, I do. I mean, I love Tom Hanks. Who directed Something's Gotta Give? Nancy Myers. Nancy Myers. Okay. My brain was equating Nancy Myers and Nora Ephron, which is not fair to either of them because they are both fabulous in their own um in their own right. I've seen a lot of Nancy Myers movies. Okay. But that's different. Um, yeah, I like Tom Hanks. I don't know. I I feel like I, well, I was definitely too young. I mean, I, it's 
too young to really think about those movies when they were um, being made. Uh, and then rom-coms as movies have never been something that I've particularly sought out. So I just, just missed them. Okay. Well, again, I'm, I'm very excited for you at some point to, to get to experience them for the first time. It's been really fun watching them with Pete for the first time. Um, and he def- I think he and I are, are in agreement on this ranking. I think he definitely enjoyed When Harry Met Sally the most. And I, I do think it's the best of them. Um, but yeah, there's some really fun movies. And yeah, I, I think you're, whenever you get the urge, um, I think they're very fun. And I think I think there's some movies that are like classics for a reason. Sure. Um, wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) Uh. Uh, so I don't honestly have a lot of, um, repairs to make to this movie, to be completely honest. Not that it's a perfect movie. I just don't have any, like there was nothing glaring that I was like, that should be changed. Yeah, um, no, they're really, like, I feel like they really did it very smartly, and I think that, um, and going back to, I think, something I was saying in the beginning, I, I think they really made good choices in terms of, like, centering things in character rather than, here's this wacky universe. Um, so I think that really steered them right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, too, of, I, yeah, I don't know that there's really anything I would change. Did we have any... Well, I guess we've kind of touched on the issues that we had with it. Um, accountability for the new right. husband. Um, my major knit got fixed in a way that <laughs> I am going to have to go back and check out. <laughs> um, I kind of wish that the sister was more of a character. Yeah. Yeah, um, I kind of was like, if you have Camilla Mendes, you maybe should have used her a little more. And I think it would have been nice to see Sarah sort of use some of her time at least to attempt to like not repair things with her sister but at least spend time with her um but maybe maybe she just figured that in order to do that she had to get out of the time loop first um Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, she's so focused on getting out there that she didn't really use the time to repair her relationship with, or not repair, but, um, you know, address her relationship with her family. And was the implication that that woman was her stepmother? Yeah, they say that. Okay, they do. That's what I thought. Yeah, so, like, yeah, and, and like, address the fact... I, I could have done with the scene where they address, like, how shitty her dad and stepmother treat her. Everyone is so mean to Sarah. And, like, I get that... I get that it's because we're coming in at a point in her life when she has probably, like, alienated a lot of these people and made some very bad decisions. But if the kind of point of... I don't know it would have been nice to use all of these iterations at least some of them to like try to address some of that i don't know if i if i was a person living in a in a day that repeated itself over and over and over again and i knew that nothing i said would have consequences for the next day i might want to get into it 
Oh, absolutely. Somebody. Like, I almost feel like we could have done with some blow up fights between Sarah and these other people if she knew that she wasn't going to have to answer for picking those fights the next day. Agreed. And I think, yeah, just even her getting to say, like, yes, I made some mistakes, but you guys have kind of not let me move on from those and kept me. I mean, I'm trapped in a time loop now, but you guys have apparently kept me trapped in this, like, the family doghouse. Um, yeah, I could have, I could have used a scene of that. Like, just, like, even if they had just taken one of the loop days for her to just, like, shout at them a bit, I would have been here for that. Mm-hmm. Especially since it is such a tight 90 minutes. Like, if they'd spent a couple minutes with that kind of catharsis, I feel like they it, it's not like we would have had to lose anything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, Marin, what would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy after they are finished with Palm Springs? Um, so I am going to recommend, admittedly, a weaker movie. So I would watch this before you watch Palm Springs. Um, and, well, presumably anyone listening to this, you've already watched Palm Springs. But um, a... A fun but not quite as good as Palm Springs offering that reminded me is called Love Wedding Repeat. Um, it is also a 2020 release. Um, it is on Netflix instead of Hulu. Um, it stars Sam Claflin, Olivia Munn, and Eleanor Tomlinson. And it is about um, Jack, who is the brother of the bride, um, who finds out... Um, that at his sister's wedding to this um, very sweet Italian dude, um, his sister's terrible ex-boyfriend has come to crash and stop the wedding. And so he has to stop it. Um, and he decides to try and get this terrible ex-boyfriend uh, some of his sister's sleeping pills and a glass of champagne, so he will just fall asleep and leave the wedding alone. Um, and so the shtick of this movie is that the glass gets mixed up, and so of this eight-person table, in each of the iterations, a different person ends up getting the sleeping pills. <laughs> um, and so basically it goes through the iterations of this wedding of, you know, the different ways this could play out. Um, while this guy is trying to salvage his sister's wedding. Um, it is not quite as good as Palm Springs. Um, Sam Claffin is very charming in it. Um, Eleanor Tomlinson, who, um, is one of the leads of Poldark, which I love, is also very charming in it as his sister, the bride. Um, yeah, love, wedding, repeat. Um, and it is on Netflix. Um, so yeah, I have another movie. Um, I looked for, well, I did sort of a cursory search for a Groundhog Day style book to recommend and was having trouble. I'm sure there is one. The only one I could think of is Life After Life, and I didn't really like that, that one. That book is so weird. It's I, so, yeah. I never managed to finish it. I still, I can see my copy of it right now. It is on my bookshelf. But yeah, so but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm going to recommend another movie. Um, 
which is a bit different, um, but it plays with the Groundhog Day type scenario in a way that I really appreciated and is another one that is much smarter than it could have been. Uh, and that is Happy Death Day, uh, directed by Christopher Landon, starring Jessica Roth, Israel Broussard, and Ruby Modine. Uh, this is the story of a college girl who wakes up on her birthday, um, goes through the day, is killed by a creepy serial killer and wakes up the next morning on her birthday. <laughs> and oh. uh, she has to then figure out, and all of that is in the trailer. Like the, the Groundhog Day nature of this one is not as secret as it was in Palm Springs. But um, yeah, she has to figure out who is killing her over and over and over again. So Ooh. she can um, stop dying and, you know, get out of, uh, get out of this time loop. It has a sequel, which I also enjoyed, but was not quite as strong, called Happy Death Day to You. Um, that is a clever title, yeah. sequel titling. But yeah, it is sort of, it is a comedy horror, um, but it's not really scary. Um, it is a little tense, but once you kind of know what is going on, it becomes much less uh, anxiety-inducing, because at a certain point, you're just like, okay... I know how all of her days end. <laughs> so, <laughs> On our next episode, we are going to be watching a movie called Sila and the Spades, which is available to stream on Amazon Prime. Uh, we're returning to our teen movie roots for this one. Uh, and until then, you can follow us and our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, on social media. Um, Did You Do Your Homework is the podcast I do with uh, Marin's husband, Pete. It releases on the same feed on alternating Wednesdays. Um, and you, our social media feeds are shared, uh, and they are at all the places at DYDYH podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Did You Do Your Homework. Um, and uh, mostly, mostly we're on Twitter. Um, and SoundCloud, where we release our new episodes. You can follow me on Twitter and social media at MagicalMartha. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, um, where I tweet a lot about rom-coms and romance novels. Um, so if those topics interest you, feel free to give me a follow. I have recently joined TikTok, um, oh. but mostly mostly to enjoy other people's content. I have not produced any TikToks of my own. We'll see if I, we'll see if I do. I feel a lot. It's like way higher pressure to make like good stuff. I feel like everyone, all of the stuff that's happening on TikTok right now is way more. Like the people producing stuff on there are at a level that I can only. <laughs> I don't know. Mostly I'm a TikTok appreciator at the moment. Um, I also sometimes write a newsletter, which you can find at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Um, anything else for us to plug? Uh, everyone should watch Nora Ephron movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's all we got for you guys today. So... Uh, we will talk to you later, and until then, remember that we love ya.
beautiful. Yeah. I have to be so bad. Okay. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> Uh, All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.